This is The First Time, Chirp Radio's live storytelling and music series. Every show, we invite a group of storytellers to talk about different firsts and pick a song to go with it. This show's theme was First Family, recorded at Martyrs in Chicago's North Center with music by The First Time 3. Here's your host, Jen Sedini. Up next, for more First Family fun, we have Josh Friedberg, who's a DJ with Chirp Radio. The reason why we're here, one of my first volunteer experiences 10 years ago, chirpradio.org, and you should see Liz at the volunteer table, by the way. Um, And so Josh has a radio show Wednesdays at 9 to 12 p.m., and he has contributed to two books, Chicken Soup for the Teenage Soul, and um, and uh, what's the other one? I'm sorry. Um, it's okay. It's not important. Um, <laughs> he's done storytelling for your being ridic- ridiculous, and he's done a TEDx talk on creativity. You can check him out at his Substack blog, Spectrum Sounds. Give it up for Josh Friedberg. Yeah. Hey. I'm Josh, and I'm really grateful to be here. And I just wanted to say before I go into my story that um, originally I was going to write a story about my grandmother, and she passed two weeks from today, five years ago. And if that had been the case, I would have asked this band to sing Grandma's Hands by Bill Withers, but that is not the case. I just had to get that out there. So, here at Chirp Radio, I host a show called The Music Historian's Corner. Every Wednesday morning, I put on the studio headphones and play a continual stream of very eclectic music. Listeners email the Chirp DJ account saying that they appreciate my knowledge. My earliest memory of being called a music historian was in college. Today, I wear that label like a badge of pride, but I used to feel like my knowledge of music was a burden for everyone else. Being autistic, gay and Jewish, and struggling with bipolar disorder, ADHD, OCD, anxiety, and depression, thank you very much, I felt consistently like a problem, including for my family, growing up. When I read the great scholar W.E.B. Du Bois writing about a crucial question that whites didn't dare ask African Americans, how does it feel to be a problem, I felt as a kid, however problematically, like I could relate. I was born lucky in many ways. And not only because I'm constructed as white, male, and middle class. I was born into a biological family that wanted, loved, and cared about me. My mom and dad were Chicago-born and bred social workers with a strong sense of social justice. My brother was three years older and more typically social, at least compared to me. And everyone in our family seemed out of place. When I was four, dealing with different mental health issues, I became violent. I jumped on my parents while they were driving, and I did a whole lot of kicking, screaming, hitting, biting, and verbally abusing my mother. And even though my parents loved me, I always felt like they wanted me to be someone else. When I was maybe 10, I said to my mother, stop trying to fix me. What cracked my continually feeling like a problem was going away to college. I knew I had to leave my hometown and get my first friends at 18. For me, coming of age in the mid-2000s, my high school was hell. I was at a private school that was supposed to feel like a family on a major merit scholarship. Thank you very much. But, but, But socially, I'm still peeling away layers of hurt and realizing that I was abused in different ways every single day. 
I can still recall insults about me and my unusual passion for music from that time. Everything from shut the fuck up to you make Jimi Hendrix uncool to you don't feel music, you just know music trivia to a time when I asked somebody what was wrong and they simply replied, you existed. Thank you very much. When I went away to college in another state, though, I blossomed. I'll never forget the first week when I met another suburban misfit who loved music like I did. We were going around a circle in our dorm, naming our favorite movies, to which I responded by naming my favorite album, Astral Weeks by Van Morrison. This skinny athlete named Adam named Pet Sounds by the Beach Boys as his favorite album, to which I responded by saying, are you kidding me? No, I'm just being a jackass. We quickly became close friends, jackass or not, and suddenly I had a musical soulmate. At that college where the community was close-knit and had many people who cared about social justice, I also made a deliberate effort not to treat people the way I had been treated growing up. So feeling like a problem was becoming less of an issue as I gained more friends. This was the first community I ever had. For many, including people who grew up without biological families, Community is family. But as much as I was constantly apologizing and being really hard on myself, new patterns started to emerge in my social life. The biggest and perhaps most healing of them was how others started appreciating my love of music and enthusiasm for music history. I'll never forget when I was in an intro to African American studies class in 2008 where the professor played music before class. He played multiple tracks from Marvin Gaye's What's Going On, 1971, and I was talking about the music playing, and a student said, Josh, how do you know so much? I was dumbfounded. My face froze like... <laughs> and I blushed, unable to speak. I wasn't used to that kind of validation and praise, however implied that I had craved growing up. Nice problem to have. My small college community was the first family where I and my musical knowledge didn't feel like a problem. In fact, my autistic brain that has soaked in music history facts as well as names, birthdays, and historical facts, like a sponge over the decades, was suddenly valued and accepted and loved. Similar compliments kept coming for a couple years. You know music better than anyone I know, said one hipster musician who played the clarinet. <laughs> he knew more about indie rock, but anyway. The depth, of your, the depth of your musical knowledge always amazes me, wrote one self-described regular guy, before he, not from Chicago, before he transferred to another school. Nobody knows more about music than you do, said a preppy athlete from my hometown, one of the first friends I'd ever made from there, who also called me the human Shazam. <laughs> Not true. <laughs> he did call me that, but it, no. And a black athlete who knows history better than most people I've ever met asked me, is there anything you don't know? But after four years, I worried that my group of friends would collapse because I was friends with people from different cliques that hated each other. I thought that they might make me take sides between them and leave me feeling rejected, like a continual problem once again. I figured that my group of friends was too good to last. That all got dispelled on my graduation day. I'll never forget walking on that graduation stage when my name was called and pausing, shocked, 
because I started seeing a group of people vociferously rising, standing up and cheering for me. I was so touched. And as I stopped in place, I, in shock, I started seeing the whole crowd, hundreds of people standing up too. I couldn't believe it was happening. Having trouble as an autistic person reading people's nonverbal impressions of me, I never could have foreseen a standing ovation for my work on campus coming. I had not just succeeded at getting to know many people. I had worked to be useful to many, including some unappreciated people. And in the process, I went from no friends at the end of high school to hundreds after four years of college. My smile on that stage was unlike any I've ever had. I didn't know I had made that kind of impact until that moment. But in going from feeling like a failure and a problem to absorbing that level of deep acceptance and love, that was something I'll never get over. And by the way, my biological family was there standing up for me. Another four years later, I found another community and family in which I've realized that as much as I feel like a problem, I don't have to, if I work to be useful to others. And in the process, I have worked to mend some very difficult family relationships. My biological family nurtured me and my love of music, and although we often fought, I was loved, and today I'm grateful for the family I was born into. And growing up, I never would have thought that I'd have a music history radio show, Wednesday mornings, at 9 to 12, on Chirp Radio. <laughs> Thank you very much. That I'd be a staff writer at Pop Matters, the international online pop culture magazine, that I'd give a TEDx talk, that I'd have a master's degree in English, that I'd place in national communications contests for my writing about music, and that I'd be not only understood with my passion for music, but also appreciated for it. If anything, society may construct me and my knowledge of music as a problem, no matter what I do, but I don't always have to feel like one. My first family and community helped that dream come true. Thank you very much.
First Time is hosted by Jen Sedini, with production by Bobby Evers, Andy Vasoyan, and Executive Director Julie Miller. The podcast is edited by Andy Vasoyan and Jen Rourke, with songs performed by The First Time Three. You can find this and other Chirp podcasts and interviews at chirpradio.org slash podcasts.